Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Hanging out with you here on a beautiful Thursday evening at Talk Soccer. Hit me up on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. It's just that easy. You want to follow along with the show here? You want to comment there? I'll read a few. If you keep it clean, people, come on. Keep it clean. You can rip on me. Just keep it clean. And uh, we will rock this show, I promise. MLS Cup is here Saturday. The championship of Major League Soccer comes down to one game after a long season. Eight, nine months worth. It's TFC, Toronto FC, hosting Seattle Sounders, the Western Conference champion. And we talked a little bit about these two teams along the playoff route. And now it comes down to that one game in Toronto. Going to be cold. As long as it's not rainy, who cares, though, right? I'm tired of hearing people talk about cold. These guys are running miles on end. They're not going to feel the cold after about a minute and a half. We just don't want the rain, the snow, the sleet, any of that junk. It should be a fantastic matchup with these two teams. I think it's MLS Cup. They don't do it like the Super Bowl, but I was trying to figure out, is it XXI this year? Is it 21? The league back in, what, 96? So this would be the 21st MLS Cup. Holy cow. My, how time flies. If you want to uh, comment about it, your thoughts on TFC and Seattle, you can do it on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Follow along there. I am Dave Denholm. I'm hanging out with you, breaking up, down, and working up the minutia that is the world of beautiful, the beautiful world of football. Let's take a look at this matchup on the pitch. TFC is loaded. We talked about them as really a dangerous club throughout the year. They spent their money wisely on designated players such as Josie Altidore, Michael Bradley, and Sebastian Jovinko, three of the best players in MLS. I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. They shored up defensively. That was crucial. Their goalkeeping situation is better. I like this team. I like this team a lot. They've got depth off the bench. You saw Benoit Cheru prove that in that second leg. Amongst others, Toussaint came on, really performed well for them. This is a much deeper team than just those three. But when you have those three that are performing the way they are, especially Josie Altidore right now, he is a man on a mission. And we've never had a problem with Josie Altidore, have we, when he's healthy? The problem with Josie usually is the the physical health. And then it just wears on him mentally. Even if he's not injured enough not to play, he's not, not 100% enough. Well... He looks 100% right now, and he is on fire. And how are you going to stop Toronto FC? Look, Seattle, solid defensively, not great at times. They've shored up the that situation just because Nico Lodero has controlled the ball more. And I try to tell people this when, they, you know, people like not like us who know soccer, but people who don't necessarily know the beautiful game and maybe, you know, trying to learn – don't necessarily think of it as just, oh, your defense is great. Those four guys in the back and then a couple of midfielders who usually have to play defensively because Americans are too conservative when it comes to soccer, all the way up from the top on down. Here's my philosophy. Attack. Attack, and then when you get tired, attack some more. Because that is how you shore up your defense. You hang onto the football, you pass it around, and you attack. You don't get scored upon when you take 30 shots a game and your opponent gets zero. You don't get scored upon. Now, there are going to be days where you're struggling to score. I get it. You want to have a solid defense? Of course. Give me the ball 70% of the time. Let me pass like Barcelona. I'll take my chances every game. And sometimes you might have to win 4-3. 
Sometimes you might lose 4-3, but there's going to be an awful lot of games you're winning 3-1 and 3-0 before the other team even has a chance. And that is what Toronto FC could do potentially in this game at home. I'm not saying Seattle's going to get run over, but they got to maintain possession. And Ludero's been fantastic. The signing in midseason from Uruguay has been dynamic. Funny story about how Luis Suarez, the great Uruguayan plays for Barcelona, actually translated for Nico Lodero with a, with a phone call with the Seattle Sounders GM who was trying to get the do- deal done for Lodero. And they actually had a conversation where Luis Suarez, the great, actually got on the phone and translated for Nico to get him here to MLS. Nico Lodero's been dynamic. Is he a game changer against TFC? Yeah, he better be for Seattle. That's why you pay him the big money. But Seattle's got other weapons. It was awful what happened to Clint Dempsey with the heart, you know, the, the, the irregular heart. He doesn't want to take a chance playing him. I get that. He's done. Great career. Great player. That hurts Seattle, no doubt. Now, Lodero coming in is most definitely made up for that. But Jordan Morris is also made up for that. This kid is for real. We know that. What I love about Jordan Morris is so often when you look at American soccer players, the problem becomes – they're good at about three things on the list of six things you need to be good, or the five basic. You know, They're good at three things. Maybe they're great at two or three things, and then they can't do anything about the other two. Landon Donovan was special in every category. Made it easy, right? He's world class. But we have a guy like Jordan Morris who you're starting to see things from with, with Morris. He's got everything. He's got vision. He's got touch. He's got speed. More importantly, he's got quickness. Professional sports... I'm looking through the glass at one of the uh, the best ever in football, right? Right? Kirk Morrison is here. Oh, wait, that's Marcellus. I'm sorry. I'm looking through the glass at Marcellus Wiley, who is okay at football, but he played at a high level. And after I heard that Columbia story where he's trying to tell me about Dartmouth running him over, that just got me all, uh, come on, please. That's not real football, Marcellus. You were like probably like 20 tackles a game in the Ivy League. But as Marcellus Wiley will tell you, on the professional level, it's all about speed and quickness. That's it. The game is just different. Because of speed and quick, everybody knows how to play. Most guys have enough skill where they're, they're in the league for a reason. It's because they're fast and they can play quick. And in MLS, it's getting better and better at that. And that's why I love Jordan Morris and Nico Lodero together. Because not only are they fast, it's the speed of play. I talk about it all the time in soccer. It's not just speed. It's not just quickness. It's the speed of play. And you know what? We saw it with the guy with the Galaxy. I hate to, I hate to pick nits about a kid. I'll whisper Jose Villarreal. So talented, but from day one I noticed he can't, his speed of play, he's just never going to make it to that next level in terms of the quickness around him. He's got all the skill, he's got all the tricks, he's got all the tools, he can pass, all that. He knows what he wants to do. Look, there's too many guys, not just in MLS, all over the world in, in football that they know what they have to do. They know the game. They know the tactics. They know the tactics. They know the drills. They've been drilled in those tactics since they were four and five and six years old. But Jordan Morris can put it together. All of those little intangibles he's got. And he's a winner. You saw it at Stanford. You're seeing it with Seattle. He is the X factor. We can talk all we want about the stars. They're going to be good. There's no reason to think Jovinko and Josie Altador and Michael Bradley won't dominate and play very well in this game. They will. Jordan Morris is the key. If Seattle's going to have any shot, it's all about that kid 
having a monster game. Now, Mario, we heard from the uh, the manager of the Seattle. What a story this is. He ch- took over midseason for Siggy Schmidt when they fired Siggy, the former Galaxy coach, because they were struggling. And now all of a sudden they're playing for a championship. They were almost dead last in the West, like second last in the West. No shot to make the playoffs. Everybody was saying that, including me. I was wrong. This guy turned him around, Brian Schmetzer. But he was asked by ESPN's Taylor Twelman, would this season be a failure in light of all that went on with Seattle if they don't win the Cup? And here's what Brian Schmetzer's answer was with Taylor Twelman. No, I wouldn't call it a failure, no. I think in, in the individual game, I would say, yes, we'd be really disappointed, bitterly disappointed. But if you look at it over the course of the season, I think we've turned the ship around and, and, you know, whatever happens at the end of the game, we've set ourselves up for the next year or two or three. Look, I'm a jerk of a talk show host, so a lot of times I hear quotes like this and I want to immediately, like, overreact, like most talk show hosts do, if we're being honest. But then I started thinking about what he was saying here, and I had to give some pause, because when I first heard this quote earlier in the day, and it's a great question from Taylor Twelman, it's really the only question, is a season a success if you don't win a title once you get here? And you heard Brian Schmetzer kind of pull back on that. No, not really, considering all the things that Seattle went through. And my first reaction was, that's just loser talk. Now, I'm not saying Schmetzer's a loser, but I'm saying, no, it is a failure if you don't win a title when you get to this, this far. That was my first gut instinct. Of course it's a failure if Seattle loses in the, play, in the uh, championship. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. Pull that back a minute, Dave. This is a team that's been through so much, and I've already outlined a little bit of that. The Clint Dempsey uh, drama with un- the unfortunate health issue with such a great player. Then the firing of Siggy Schmid. The team's struggling, looking like they're going nowhere. They signed Nico Ladero almost right before, or almost the minutes after, rather, they fire Siggy Schmid. They get one of the great game-changing players that we've seen in MLS. He makes all the difference. Schmetzer then looks like a genius. But now he's saying, well, no, because of what we've been through, it won't be a failure. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe he's right. Maybe it's not a failure if if Seattle's win. And then I had to slap myself in the face and wake up. Of course it's a failure if you lose a title game. It doesn't matter what you've been through. You're professionals. This is your job. Brian Schmetzer, you started out as an assistant coach this year. You know what? Your manager got fired and you didn't. That's a good thing for you. Now step up and do the job. And he has. Great. Now win. The whole point of the Seattle Sounders season coming into this was to win a title, not to just hope for the best. That's ridiculous. It's weak. It's weak as a franchise if you start thinking that way. Now, again, Schmetzer might be just be playing to the media. He might go in to tell his team, like, we better win. And if he plays, if he's playing up to Taylor Twelman in the media, okay, I've seen that before. We all have. I get it. I've been there. But it's weak if that's what Seattle really thinks. Oh, well, we've been through so much. Stop. You are professional athletes. You're a professional football manager. Your job is to win. That's it. You're not here to mold men. You're not some high school coach who's trying to keep kids out of trouble, trying to make sure they get an education or some college coach where they get a scholarship to a D3 school. You're there to win. It's your job. Just like Greg Popovich, just like Luke Walton, their job is to win or they get fired. Just like Jurgen Klinsmann. So I don't want to hear any of this. Oh, well, no, it's not a failure if we don't win. Yes, it is. And it'll be a big-time failure if TFC loses at home. There's no, oh, well, we, you know, we won the conference. 
Nobody cares about that anymore in sports. Do we? How dare you even think about talking about that? In fact, I get offended. And, and you know, MLS does it too. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Major League Soccer teams don't do it. I kind of get offended when teams now celebrate their conference championship like they just won something. Really. I mean, I, I understand it's a long season. And I honestly, as crazy as it sounds, I understand the players don't really care about us. I get that. Again, it is their job. I can't overlook that. I'm telling them to win because it's their job. Well, you can't overlook the fact that they don't really care about us anymore as fans. They really don't. I know there's some guys who will pretend for a while in their career. There's some guys who even mean it for a few years that they love the fans. Mike Trout, perfect example right now. Still loves the fans, still goes out of his way. You know what? He's young. Give him 10 more years. They don't really care about you. They don't care about me. They don't care about the media. They don't care about fans. So that's when they go celebrate together because they've been through a long season together. Stop doing that, sports teams. We don't like to see that. I'm sorry. I don't give a rat's rip that you won the Western Conference of this or the Pacific Division title. Stop with those banners, Clippers. I don't want to see that. I want the Seattle Sounders to say, you know what? It is going to be a failure if we don't win. And that's what their fans deserve. And in fact, I'll go so far as to say sometimes you got to be politically correct about it, Brian. Even if you want to say the other, even if you want to say, oh, yeah, no, it's not going to be a failure. Even if you tell your team it's not going to be a failure, you come out and you tell your fans, no, we're going to win. I was a little disheartened by that. No, I was very disheartened. Who am I kidding? I'm picking Toronto FC even more convinced now after that. TFC wins MLS Cup. Not going to be a blowout at soccer. Everybody, you're in the game, right? I mean, there's very few 4 nils here in a championship game. Both teams are very, very good. They're the two best teams in MLS right now, undoubtedly. So it's not going to be a walk, but it's going to be a win for TFC. Your thoughts on MLS Cup, you can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer, if you're listening there. We don't take phone calls here. I ain't got time. I got too much to say. Some, I mean, rarely, occasionally, but not tonight. But you can hit me up on Twitter. Follow me there, at TalkSoccer. Use that little, it's not a hash, whatever the thing is, the little ampersand. I think that's what they're called. The little at, whatever. <laughs> that's what I call it. I think it's an ampersand, but it, that's the official word, but at. Champions League, down to the round of 16 now. They moved out of the group stage on uh, yesterday and Tuesday with the uh, final match day six. I got a chance to watch a lot of those matches for my other gig. And look, I'm seeing some great teams. But this round of 16 draw is going to be crucial for a couple of key reasons. And it's really because of a couple of key teams, right? Second place teams. Man City got second place. No surprise, they got drawn with Barcelona in their group. That was a bit of a bad break. And Real Madrid finishes second in their group. Why does that matter? Because as we know, the winners of the groups go into one pot and the second place teams go into another. Now... In fairness, before I talk, start talking about the draw that's coming up on Monday, you cannot play a team in the round of 16. Once we get past this, anything, all bets are off. You can't play a team from your original group here that you just got out of, right? The group stage was over, like I said, Tuesday and Wednesday. You can't play a team that you just matched up. So Man City couldn't get drawn with Barcelona, nor can you be drawn with a team from your country 
in this first round of 16. So there will be no Barcelona-Real Madrid coming out of those pots, and that would have been crazy, obviously. Now, they can meet any time after this, but remember that. There is no Real Madrid can't go play Barcelona. They can't play Atletico in this round because, obviously, they're from La Liga. So what are some of the key matchups? Arsenal's in the winner's pot, finally. They finally won their group. I think it's the first time in, like, six seasons. They finally won their group, and PSG kind of stumbled a bit into second place after a draw with Ludogorets that I uh, watched and hosted. That was a bad game for PSG, but i gotta, I got to tell you something. PSG is eminently beatable. I don't have them going very far at all. I think they're done this round, depending on the draw. Now, they could get the easiest group winner, even that, if we're talking about on paper, that's Leicester, who are playing out of their minds in Champions League, even though they're struggling in the Premiership. Leicester's throwing all their eggs in the proverbial Champions League basket. So that's still a tough draw. But if PSG gets Leicester, I'd still give the edge to PSG with Cavani up front. Because Edinson Cavani will run himself through a brick wall. That dude will miss a lot of sitters <laughs> and probably should have about 120 more goals than he already does, but the guy does nothing but score and keep working for 95 minutes a game. Again, he's not a finisher like Zlatan in the sense where he's so clinical. He's going to miss some chances, but you know what? He's going to get as many as anybody else in the world with his hustle, and he's going to he's going to finish a lot of them. Cavani is a beast. He is a winner, and he is a worker. Brick wall, no problem. I'm going through it. That's what he says. You ask Edinson Cavani if his season's going to be a success if they don't win, and he'll laugh at you, I'm sure. So when he, when you have Edinson, Edinson Cavani and you've got uh, Blaise, Blaise Matuidi in the midfield, PSG's always got a shot with that defense too. So they're coming out of the second pot. Real Madrid is the beast in the second pot. How, how would you like to win your group in Champions League and then you get uh, Real Madrid picked to play you in a two-leg tie? Oh, that's great. And the teams who could that could happen to are Arsenal, Napoli, Monaco, right? Leicester and Juve. Oh wait, no, I think yeah, Dortmund is not the Dortmund can't be drawn in because they were just in the group with Real Madrid and won the group. So that's a good bonus for Borussia Dortmund. So any of those other teams could be drawn in with Real Madrid. The matchup I want to see with Real Madrid is Arsenal. Let's go. Let's go, Arsene Wenger. If you think your team's good enough, all right, why not? Play Real Madrid in a second. you got to beat them eventually anyway. At this point, you're in the knockout stage. I know it's all well and good to be like, oh, we made it to the final eight, or oh, we went to the semifinals. I've seen teams in the semifinals the last few years of Champions League. There's always there's always seems to be one team that's got no shot. <laughs> they just, the luck of the draw, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. It's all fun when Porto, well, they won it a few years ago. Bad example. When a team gets to the semifinals that really never had a chance because of the draw. That's fine. They've beaten the teams that are in front of them. We get that. But Real Madrid is legit, and if Arsenal wants to be legit, let's go play. The heck with hiding. Bayern Munich's in the second pot as well. How'd you like to get drawn with Bayern Munich? A team that I believe on any given day is still more offensively dangerous than anybody in world football right now, including Barcelona on the right day. Bayern Munich is that good. Doesn't mean they're better than Barcelona night in, night out. But we will continue to break this down in the second half. We got we got to talk Galaxy. There is a lot of stuff going on. And I got I to gotta praise Atletico Nacional once again 
I just can't get enough of that story with the the, the tragedy that befell Chapecoense and what Let It Go Nacional offered up. And it was approved. Chapecoense is the champion of Copa Sudamericana. What a great story. I mean, that's great. In the midst of tragedy, certainly. And, you know, Chapecoense is not going to get over that tragedy ever. But just a nice, touching story that they were, you know, rewarded this Copa Sudamericana and Let It Go Nacional asked for that, who were to be their opponents in the final. And Chapecoense deserves it. They had a great run. They very easily could have won that, that tournament, no question. So Atletico Nacional bowing out gracefully. That doesn't mean Nacional did them any favors either, really. Chapecoense fully deserves it. We'll talk more about that, too. Plus, stoppage time still to come. It's Soccer Weekly. Hit me up on Twitter with your thoughts, at TalkSoccer, at TalkSoccer, spelled like you would imagine. I'm Dave Denholm here. It's Soccer Weekly on the home of soccer in Los Angeles, ESPN LA. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA, 710. I'm Dave Denholm. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Share your thoughts there. No way, Jose tweets, your LA Galaxy should break the ga- bank and get Guignac. Guignac. Yeah, well, I wish. Guignac is so good. Speaking of so good, the Champions League. The winner's bracket. Keep an eye on one team. And look, of course, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, right? Yes, no doubt. I'm not so sold on Atletico. They won their group. Ugh, I love Diego Simeone. He might be the best manager in the world. I love Diego Godin. Might be the third best player in the world. The defender. A lot of people don't talk about defenders. Diego Godin is dynamic. He changes a game as a defender. Love him. I'm not so sold on Atletico, though, this season. Something's not quite clicking for Griezmann in that group. I mean, the whole team. Keep an eye on this team coming out of the winner's group. Now, of course, they could get drawn with Real Madrid. That'll be a brutal you know, draw. Monaco. Yeah, I know you. I know what you're saying. You don't even pay attention to league. Uh, very underrated league, the French first division. Very underrated, loaded with talent, and Monaco is scoring goals this year for fun. I think they've got something like 49 goals in 16, 17 matches in league, uh, averaging around three goals a game. They win their group in the Champions League. This is not. This is not your dad's Monaco from years past where they would just absolutely collapse or fail on the big stage. This team, Leo Jardim is a great coach. Leonardo Jardim has his team playing well. If you haven't heard of these guys, guys like Bernardo Silva, of course they've got Joao Matinho, who's been around for like ever. I think he's like 40 and still getting it done. Adama Traore in the midfield. Thomas Lamar is a superstar in waiting. I love the kid up front, Kylian Mbappe. And of course they got Falcao who's rounding back. They are scoring goals like their pants are on fire. They can't be stopped right now. Keep an eye on Monaco. That is a dangerous team that nobody's going to be talking much about out of that winner's group. You're going to hear a lot of guys who are supposed experts. When they when you get Monaco, everybody's be like, well, that's an easier part of the draw if you're talking about the winner's groups. You probably want Monaco. No, you don't. I promise you don't want Monaco. You know what I don't want is to sit here and not talk about my LA Galaxy. A lot of stuff going on with the Galaxy. Absolutely a lot of stuff going on. And here's what's scaring me. Interesting story from Grant Wall. Full disclosure, he writes for Sports Illustrated. Also works where I do as well over at Fox. Does stuff for Fox Soccer. He is a great reporter. 
He kind of uh, had a bit of a story amongst some of his uh, reporting for Fox this week. Was an interesting take or a story about the Galaxy and how now they're 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 kind of getting their coaching search down. Looks like it might be Kurt Anolfo. And it looks like the Galaxy are a little more reticent to just go out and go crazy with the money. And Grant Wall kind of talked a little bit about, I'm paraphrasing, of course. There wasn't like any kind of article to quote here or anything. But it was, it was kind of him reporting this. That maybe they're not so going to be quick to pull the trigger on just throwing around money. Right? Instead of this, you know, the, the, the Stephen Dr- And guess what? Not necessarily a bad thing. Steven Gerrard, let's be realistic, was not a complete bust, but he was bust-like. He was bust-ish, right? I mean, we everybody's nodding their head at this point. Mario's nodding his head through the glass. Everybody is. You're driving on the 405 right now. You're on the 110. You're going, yeah, he was. He was bust-ish. He wasn't bad. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't Mauricio Cienfuegos which is what the Galaxy needs, right? And here, I bring that name up because my problem with now the Galaxy's pulling back, right, potentially, this is a crucial time in our history, and I say R. It is my L.A. Galaxy. It is. I will one day be the general manager of the Galaxy. Maybe it's a little ways in the future. Good luck to Pete Vianis. I hope he's a success for 50 years. My L.A. Galaxy... This is a massively crucial time for this organization. I like the fact that you're thinking about, well, let's be smarter with designated players and the money we spend, but don't be afraid to still go get guys. Miguel Almiron signs with Atlanta United, a reported transfer fee for Atlanta United, an expansion team, nearly 9 million bones they put out for this kid who's, what, 22, 23-year-old Paraguayan? He is, go watch some film on this guy. He is going to be good. Exactly what the Galaxy need. He can play the wing. He can play center mid. Attacking. If What if the Galaxy could find a 22-year-old Mauricio Cienfuegos for 5 to $8 million bucks? How could we not do that? Right? It's exactly what we need. We can't put the blinders on to the point where we're now scared about spending money. And I'm sure that's not what Chris Klein and the Galaxy are going to do. But I'm just telling you, we got to keep our eyes open for that. We got to go find the next Almiron. We got to find the next Mauricio Cienfuegos for five to eight million dollars, maybe less. Guess what? They're out there. You found Mauricio Cienfuegos? Go find him again, because that's exactly what we need. And I'm tired of other teams going out there and finding it, like FC Dallas and Seattle and Atlanta United. Because guess what? The more MLS expands the farther down the galaxy could slide. And that's just a cold, hard truth. You don't want to hear it? Tough. No, he wasn't completely a bust on Twitter. Stop it. (laughs) He was a bust-ish. I'll give you that. Don't forget, Atletico Nacional, we told you the story about them, uh, you know, with the Chapecoense and the uh, final for Copa Sudamericana. The Colombian club said, hey, give them the title. We want them. Then they had an incredible, incredible night in their stadium, packed their stadium out with their fans to honor Chapecoense after the tragedy with the plane crash in Colombia. Root for Atletico Nacional. They're in the Club World Cup that's going on right now across the world. They're about to play in the semifinal. Against, I think, the winner of uh, Kashima Antlers and the club from South Africa. 
I'm pretty sure that's the bracket. Root for Atletico Nacional. Usually I root for the underdog, like the team from Japan or the team from like South Africa, to go in against a big club like Nacional. No. I want Atletico Nacional to win everything now. After what they've shown, the sportsmanship they've shown, and their fans came out in droves. You should see the go go YouTube the videos of that commemorative the ceremony they had for the victims of Chapecoense. It was unbelievable. If you don't cry, you're made of stone. Root like heck for Atletico Nacional. They're my new favorite Colombian team. That's it. I mean, without doubt. Mario, you know what time it is. Stoppage time. It is stoppage time. It is our favorite time of the show. And speaking of shows, you know what's dropping? Listen to me like I'm even in my 30s anymore. I'm dropping. What about, is this an album? You know what's coming up on Netflix? I think it might even be on the East Coast now. It's supposed to be coming out on the 9th, which on the East Coast, if you're listening there, which I know you are, it is the 9th. Netflix season two of Club de Cuervos. Club de Cuervos, if we're going to get it right. Netflix season two. And Mario's just telling me about this uh, great show. And I'm like, how did I not see this? I saw a preview of it. I've heard it talked about. I can't wait to watch season two. And most importantly, Mario says, I reminded him of the character Chava. So I hope that's good. (laughs) Oh, this has been a good time. As always here, I'm Dave Dunholm on Soccer Weekly. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for the great home of Soccer Weekly and the home of Soccer in Los Angeles, ESPN LA 710.